You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Bear With Me, Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And we are coming at you live, me with the Bears blogs, Jonathan Wood, at right on the heels of yet another tight end of game loss as we got another four touchdown, 310 combined yard performance from Justin Fields. And ultimately, it amounted to another strange shootout loss. These as Bears fans are strange to watch, but help me out. Jonathan, because the Bears have now seemingly gone 0 and 5 in just 10 games in these late game scenarios. Is it wrong for me to be upset at the fact that they lost this game, or am I turning in my nerd card and should just take the tank loss and walk away with it? Yeah, I think there's real arguments to be made on both sides there. I mean, it certainly does help their draft position, but when I'm watching the game, I'm not rooting for draft position, I'm rooting for a nice Bears win. Uh, just as a fan, I can't help that. Um, and it's certainly frustrating to see that not happening time and time again. Um, but what I do like, maybe not as much today, but in a lot of those late game situations, it feels like fields has made the plays he needed to make. And it's been other guys letting him down. I think of the fumble against Minnesota, uh, Mooney, not getting the ball in the end zone against Washington, um, Equinemius St. Brown dropping it last week on fourth and 10. Um, this week, it, I guess, if anything, it was really the kind of O-line letting them down because on that last drive, Fields was just getting crushed. And I'd have to see the all 22, but he was very slow to throw the ball, which makes me think there was probably nobody open as well. So again, it's not so much that like Fields is screwing up in those situations. It's just, again, the talent around him is not what it needs to be, and that's getting exposed. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I think makes this such a complicated scenario to talk about, right? Like, am I really upset that the Bears gave up 31 points against the Lions? The Lions were really good offense to lead off the season. This isn't actually all that surprising from them. And the Bears defense, verifiably not good especially based on what we've seen throughout the season so far. But when you've got all-star UDFA Jack Sanborn starting to pop up as one of the better players on the defense and Justin Jones ending up on his butt on touchdown runs right at the end of the game, you know, you got a bit of a problem as far as talent goes. But the Bears seemingly are starting to show the ugly truth that is whenever they are put in positions where they have to pass, the opposing defense has a major, major advantage. And the only reason that they haven't ended up there before, Jonathan, is because let's go back to the Cowboys game as a silly example. They have just patently refused to admit that they have to pass. I mean, against the Cowboys down three scores, they continue to run the ball like ever. And like you're saying, I mean, we are starting to we have mostly seen this season fields do his part in this game. Certainly, there's nothing more visually frustrating than watching fields break. Not one, not two, but three tackles on a fourth down and still not manage to throw the ball. But if it was anybody else, we'd automatically blame the receivers. Instead, it's a quarterback with a penchant for holding onto the ball too long. So we just don't know. Either way, I know. If there's any negative takeaway from this game, I guess it's that I am a little worried that that whole losing culture thing starts to creep into this locker room. I'm well aware they have $140 million in cap space and they will likely add some real badass talent on both sides of the line, probably at the receiver room somewhere, uh, as well as plenty of other positions. But I, Jonathan, you tell me, am I justified in worrying about a team that is uniquely finding ways to lose? I mean, whether it's a blocked punt, whether it's a missed extra point, and then allowing a game-tying score immediately afterwards, whether it's two dropped punts earlier this season or a wide receiver strip after failing to go out of bounds, I am not 
going to criticize Eberflus after 10 games of a season where they're already massively overperforming based on their talent. But I mean, gracious alive, this is visually frustrating. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely frustrating in the moment. I also, I've been kind of impressed by their ability to bounce back, especially in the last few weeks when games start to turn against them. I think of that today, you know, there was that ridiculous hands to the face call against Jalen Johnson that then turned into a touchdown off of what should have been basically a game ceiling interception by Sanborn. Um, and then Fields had the pick six right after that. And all of a sudden it went from 24-10, Chicago has the ball about to ice the game to, oh crap, it's 24-24. And they bounced right back and scored to take back control of the game, at least temporarily. Or like against New England a couple weeks ago, you know, they had that great start. And then all of a sudden Bailey Zappi came in and it was like a tie game. And that was all he raced. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I've seen this before. The Bears are just about to get blitzed. And they just took the game back over. And so I, I think that has to matter some too. As much as losing at the end in some of these games is frustrating. We've seen them refuse to let like the tide turning in a game, like turn them into defeatists. And I, I really like seeing that attitude. I mean, that's a good point, Jonathan, because the argument could be that this is almost starting to look like a monkey's paw season, right? That some Bears fan wished on the monkey paw that Justin Fields would be good no matter what. And so we're getting a Justin Fields that's looking unequivocally good. I mean, whether it's with his legs or with his arm, and certainly I actually thought he had a relatively inaccurate day today, but all the same, he persevered for four scores, three, 10 yards. And pretty much the only reason the offense seemed to be moving the ball. It's just that, I mean, Jonathan, they keep taking games where they should be blown out by halftime and they're still in it near the end of the game, and then they lose it. It's like the result that we expected to happen happens. It just happens in a way we didn't expect it, which maybe there's some serious positive to be taking there that against teams like the Miami Dolphins, like a very high-powered Detroit Lions, the Bears are without a doubt keeping pace. It's just a bummer that they lost to a team that seemingly everybody else is beating, but... I mean, at the same time, this is the year for it, right? I do think that there are positives to be taken on both sides of the ball. I don't think Kyler Gordon played super well today, nor did Jaquan Brisker. But Jack Sanborn is starting to look like every bit the instinctive linebacker that any massive, super hopeful fan was looking for him to be. And if anything, I mean, let me let me put my nerd hat back on, Jonathan. It's got to be nice to see a cheap, undrafted free agent showing these kinds of instincts and potentially offering you a solution that, if I did the math right, would be 50 times cheaper than somebody like Roquan Smith, right? Because that's more money you can invest at premium positions. Yeah, I, I said it instantly when Roquan was traded. Um, you know, they decided they're not going to pay him then getting the picks makes a lot of sense and is a win. But I thought also having then a half season to, to play Sanborn and evaluate him was also a small win um, just because you can see if he is anything and that can influence what you need to do next offseason when you have all these resources to work with. And if he keeps playing like he did today, you know, I don't know that he's athletic enough to be a star. There's a reason he was undrafted, but instincts matter so much at linebacker, like you just said. And, if, if he can be instinctive enough to at least be a, a quality player, um, even if that's just as like a quality role player on defense, that still has real value for three years, two more years after this year for dirt cheap. Absolutely. I mean, not only does he seemingly have a knack for being in the right place at the right time, which is, you know, key in a three or four, three linebacker spot, but he's hitting in the run game. You can see him getting off blocks better than top 10 pick Roquan Smith could have. Not that I want to invoke a comparison immediately. He still found a way to manage pass, pass rush pressure and a sack himself. And Jada, we got to segue into the officials a little bit. I hate talking about officials. Every time it comes up on the post game conversation, I, I can't not bring it up. It would be ridiculous for me to not bring it up, but the Jalen Johnson hands the face call a couple of, or the late hit call on Kyler Gordon, knocking the ball out of bounds. uh, Jared Goff, just tripping the weird, no call DPI that where it seemed as if, um, I can never remember his name. Uh, the like the Detroit linebacker seemed to hold Cole Komet's left arm. There were a lot of plays. The ticky-tack holding call on Braxton Jones early on. Look, I don't want to be a homer. I am 
always a staunch proponent of you've got to be good enough to beat the refs, even when the field feels tilted. But for crying out loud, what is going on with officiating in these last two Bears games? It is as if Ryan Poles made the call himself to Commissioner Goodell and said, can we ju- can you just slant the field? Because it started to become such a, a, I don't know. Am I crazy for complaining about some of these? No, I mean, I thought it was really bad in the second half, especially today. I listened to most of the first half in the radio on the car on the way home from church. So I can't really comment intelligently about some of those calls. But yeah, all the ones you mentioned were uh, pretty rough. Um you know, it's, I've seen some people online like, oh, you know, the, the game must be fixed, that the refs are like throwing the game intentionally. And I'm, I'd be pretty shocked if something like that came to be. But I think it's just, you know, a lot of bad luck in a short period of time. Sure yeah. seems like it. I mean, it's it's wild watching these things, because, again, all I want is a cleanly called game. If it's a penalty, call it. If it's not a penalty, don't call it. I could care less if the penalties com- or if the Bears commit 15 calls a game, deserve all of them, and all of them get called. It will never feel like a slant in that case. But it does seem like so far on the week to week, we're seeing a lot of calls that in other games often don't get called. In the Bears game, like it feels as if one side's getting them, one side's not. I know I'm a fan. At the end of the day, I'm always going to feel like the refs are pitted against the Bears. But the Jalen Johnson hands to the face in particular was flat out awful. And Jack Sanborn, to me, seemed to deserve the first er, interception of his career. And when you see a call like that, and it goes from taking seven points off the board to a a play that was just shy, or like it was very, very quick on the heels of the Lions tying the game and ultimately winning it, it feels like we got to figure something out from an NFL-wide perspective because I can't help but think that Jonathan, whether it's a sky judge, whether it's like reviewable calls, whether it's more challenges, something's got to be there so that somebody can take a second look at something like this because I understand why when you see Johnson's hands flash forward and the, the player immediately falls over and doesn't get up that it looks like something happened but it's too big of an impact on an NFL football game to let that kind of thing go unchecked you know what I mean yeah absolutely um and I think you know this goes way beyond the Bears games I watch a lot of other football games too and it's always it feels like the refs are just part of the story far more often than they should be um and I think that's just a real problem that is hurting the product of the NFL as a whole and they've got to figure out some way whether that's better training to get better officials or add an extra official for instant review or something. But you just got to find a way to have them impacting the game less because it's the players who should be deciding the outcome of the game. Can't help but agree. And thankfully, Jonathan, we've got a lot of positives to talk about from the Bears players because not only did we have, I mean, we did actually have some solid defense, I thought, especially from Jack Sanborn, which again, it's not that it was anything flashy. It's that from a down-to-down basis, he and the rest of the defense were starting to just make Jared Goff earn it. And we'll get to the negatives because I just thought of another one talking about the pass rush. But Justin Fields, I mean, how fun is it to watch number one play football? What are you enjoying watching? All of it. I mean, I've been wanting this. I've been wanting a quarterback in Chicago my whole life. I was born in 1988. So, I mean, I didn't even see like Jim McMahon. Cutler is far and away the best Bears quarterback of my lifetime. And he was, well, I know there's lots of opinions about Cutler, but he was (laughs) very volatile and averaged out to probably around average at best. Um, It's just so fun. He just looks like the best player on the field every time he's on the field. And I've been so incredibly jealous for the last several years watching like Bills fans, Chargers fans. I'm just seeing them with that with their young quarterback. And just I wake up like on Sunday mornings like I get to watch Justin Fields play today. This is awesome. I I haven't had that before with the Bears quarterback. It's must-see television, Jonathan. I mean, everybody's going to come away because it happened later, and we obviously work chronologically, right? Uh, And remember Justin Fields racing away for a 50-plus-yard rushing touchdown where he embarrassed the middle field safety and then just had the speed to break loose. But let's talk about a play that I think is just so unconscionable that the only other player that could have possibly made it might be Kyler Murray in Arizona. What did you think at that end-of-half run? Did you see it? Because I know you yes. said you were listening to it yep. on the radio. I got home at the two-minute warning. <laughs> I mean, what did you think turning the game on and catching that? 
that reminded me a lot of his touchdown run against San Francisco last year, where again, it looked like he was dead to rights. I was like screaming at the TV, like throw the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. No, 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 no. Yes. (laughs) It was just one of those plays just, just made something out of nothing. And it was incredible. Absolutely. And I mean, the funniest part is like you're saying, I have seen that play a bazillion times from all kinds of quarterbacks, not the run. Let's let's be clear, like Mooney coming inside, snagging back out and getting blanketed. Right. We're just accustomed to seeing a low throw Mooney going down for it. The coverage guy coming over the top, the coverage guy batting the ball on the ground. And then a whole bunch of people on Twitter going, Mooney sucks. Why do we like this guy? Like, don't extend him. And we've lived this before, haven't we? A billion times like a normal NFL quarterback throws the ball. So Fields holding it and allowing three defenders to come in on him like they did. It's just crazy because watching him as a fan there are so many things that he does that if it didn't work it would just be boneheaded right if he hadn't shown us the ability that he's shown us it's just a silly decision then he breaks a tackle runs away from two more guys and punches his way into the end zone quite literally and very physically and you're just sitting there in awe the the chicago bears have potentially one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in the nfl Like I said, one of the, because the potentially is that they might have the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL right now. It is just crazy watching a guy come a baby's breath away from setting his own record again. That had he mm-hmm. towed the ball anymore on that last drive. I mean, watching fields right now feels like living in a dream state because it's like watching, honestly, Jonathan, it's like watching a really good Madden player and you mutter to yourself as you watch him, you say that would never work in a real game. And here he is playing the same dual threat four touchdown game. And when you do stuff like that, you can forgive the occasional silly pick six and just call it a learning moment because we're seeing the rest of it come together, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a throw you just can't make, but that's a mistake that a young player makes. And especially for somebody who's a playmaker like Fields is learning when to just admit that, okay, this play is dead. I need to just house uh, like turf the ball or throw it into the stands or whatever. Uh, Just try to make what I can with my legs. Just you cannot throw that pass. And that's for somebody who's used to being the the best and most gifted player on the field, it's really hard to ever concede defeat on a play. But I have seen him doing that, especially the last two weeks more where he's trying to scramble and okay, it's just not there. They've got this covered. I'm just going to throw it away instead of trying to just desperately make something happen and then fumbling or something like that. And I mean, I, I like seeing that growth. Like you're saying, it's so complicated because had he thrown that ball, so to use an example, like you're saying, I'm not about to cape for that throw. That throw was awful, right? Categorically awful. Was it wide open? No. The, the screen was covered the entire way. As soon as he got to the top of his drop, the screen wasn't there. There's not a lot of great places to go with the ball if a screen's covered up, Jonathan. Because like you've seen, I mean, especially if the defender's standing in front, even the throw to the guy's knees isn't safe. So there's, mm-hmm. I mean, for all we know, it was an extremely weak throwaway. I doubt it. We've just got to assume he was trying to float the ball to Kmet. But it's, it's a bad decision. But at the same time, Fields making what other people would consider bad decisions and turning them into great plays has been pretty much the entire reason the bears are starting to hang 30 on just about everybody they face so i get that the feedback loops a little weird right i would rather see that in a four touchdown game than that in a three three interception game Mm -hmm. where we're we're hanging on to like one 13 yard run as the special play of the game i've been there i really don't want to go back um Like you're saying, at least we can look at it as a learning moment. And I can't help but feel like watching Fields run, tear teams up on the ground, stretch the defense to its absolute limit is really exciting. The only thing I want to see the Bears grow within is their passing game. Their standalone passing game right now feels too basic. I mean, I get it. Late game scenarios, you want to see that talent rise to the top, but... Whether it's nobody getting open or what I'm seeing on all 22, Jonathan, the concepts that they're calling against man coverage are pretty meek. It's not that it's not that like there's all sorts of routes out there that are true man beaters and they're calling none of them. But things like snag routes, like true snags that is like a slant and then you spin it back and you go to an out route, an out route, honestly, against cover three. The Bears just aren't calling any of those. I mean, the Bears aren't calling 
option routes or any of the other standard things you would deploy against man coverage. It does make me wonder, okay, is that the receivers? Is that lack of faith in the offensive line fields who seems to be playing with the playbook very, very well, at least based on what we're, we're seeing called in front of us. Is he struggling to process everything he sees on the football field? I don't know. When you watch these games, do you have a guess? Like, what do you think is going on? Is it, is it just talent? And if it is talent, how do the Bears fix it? I mean, I think it mostly is talent, honestly. And that's not a surprise based on what we thought going into the season. Um, and I think you fix that by adding more talent, which they've already started to do with Claypool. And I know he was real quiet today, but the guy's been in Chicago for like 11 or 12 days. And um, this is a playbook that is fairly large and not super simple to learn. And so I'm sure it'll take some time for him to really get comfortable with everything they want him to do. Cause I don't even know how much he was on the field, like on that last drive when you might be having to run hurry up situations and things like that, you, they might not be able to trust him. I know he had the one like back shoulder target, but be, beyond that, like in the hurry up is when you need guys who really know what they're doing in those late game situations. And that's when, you know, two of your three wide receivers are Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown. And yeah, surprise, surprise, the passing game isn't working. Right. It's, I, I know I'm frustrated because like anybody else, I mean, NFL offenses have been passing so frequently that even as defenses shifted too high and running the ball is ultimately getting more and more open by the week. And the bears are obviously like, being productive with the touches that they're given it still kind of sucks <laughs> talking about these big games and having to bring up guys we gotta combine the yardage so that i have to avoid or that I, so that i can avoid talking about a 150 yard performance i mean right now when fields cracks 200 yards it is a pretty special game for him but I really do find myself wondering because every time I watch all 22, it's not like there are guys running wide open, Jonathan. I mean, the scheme and fields seem to be, I, I wouldn't say struggling, right? But they seem to be in tandem. It's all a process. And for a second year quarterback, that's not unusual, but it definitely would have felt better had he ran his way to a win instead of what ultimately happens. It always sucks when you end the game on a fourth down failure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And the volume stats certainly aren't there with fields passing it. Um, I've got them pulled up right here over, sorry, over the last seven games, he's got about 1200 passing yards. So yeah, that's 200 per game would be like 1400. So he's at maybe 175 or so a game. Right. Um, which is not great, but he's also at 7.4 yards per attempt, which is around or slightly above the NFL average. So it's just, they're just not throwing a lot, uh, but they're throwing right. okay when they do, except for, like you pointed out, in those late game situations, it's a bit more of a struggle because teams know they're going to throw. Absolutely. They're just, and I they're just running it so much. Running it so much. They're running it relatively well. I know that the Fields' stats when he runs the ball are just unconscionable. Like, how uh, how is he doing from a statistical perspective every time he gets the ball? Yep, I've got that right here, too. So looking at the last seven games, he's at 654 yards, so just under 100 yards per game, and 8.5 yards per carry, <sighs> which is like laughable uh, a running bananas. back is doing really well if you hit five yards per carry like average is around like four and a half or so right and i mean okay so while we're on the topic i have no idea if you've got anything pulled up for him but i feel like we can't go the first half of this podcast without bringing up the guy who might be the hottest overall player in football based on his production before three weeks ago to now cole Komet is on an absolute tear like whether it's stats or when you watch him, do you feel like 85 looks any different right now? Or do you think it's just a matter of he's starting to find that tight end quarterback chemistry and they're just starting to make plays together? Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact stats now, but I tweeted it at some point in the second half, um, like right after that big 50 yard touchdown over the last three games, he had like 13 or 14 targets, like 12 catches and about 120 yards and five touchdowns. Um, wow. before that 50 yard, well, before that 50 yard touchdown, it was like 11 catches for like 70 yards. Um, so right. it was, it's a lot of short stuff. They've been doing a lot of like tight end screens to them that have been pretty effective. A lot of like goal line stuff where it's maybe like an eight or 10 yard pass. I think it's, 
to my eye, although you're certainly more of a film guy than me, it has felt a lot like they've been scheming him open better. Like they've figured out how to use him better within the offense, especially as fields running the ball has become so much a threat and like his gravity of pulling defenders to him. And then they can like leak commit uh, open a little more easily. That's how that big touchdown happened today. Um, right. And just a big enough, athletic enough, fast enough guy to take advantage of some of that. When a, somebody takes three or four steps out of the way to try to account for the run. And then all of a sudden, Oh, commits wide open behind him. That seems like exactly what I'm seeing. I mean, Komet was used so heavily as a blocker early on in the season that right now he becomes a player that either you can't afford to pay attention to because you've got to keep extra eyes on JF1, or he becomes a player that you commit too many resources to covering and then, you know, Fields just runs away from you for another easy 28-yard gain. I mean, on that Komet touchdown in particular, I'll give Komet some credit to adjusting for a ball that I don't think he was running the route for. I It's always impossible, Jonathan, to know who's wrong when you're dealing with passes almost 35, 40 yards downfield. But it looked like Komet was waiting for the ball to hit him further closer to the sidelines and then realized it was going to come back over his left shoulder, adjusted to it, made the catch, and then walked into the end zone, which Thank goodness he did, or I think all to, all of Twitter would have just absolutely lit him up for. But on these rollouts, Justin Fields, especially when he's rolling left, generally has a high, a mid, and a low read. I mean, you've seen it a billion times because, Jonathan, we used to talk about this with Mitch Trubisky, right? You've got the throw into the flat. You've usually got an alert post, uh, or I guess it's a corner, further down the field. And then you've got somebody a little bit delayed running an over. On this play, the Bears just... I mean, they used that to send Kmet the other direction. They sent him the uh, like to the entire other half of the field because you've got to keep people honest. And the Lions obviously had just – the safety just didn't see it coming. And, I mean, when you get suckered in the NFL, you get embarrassed. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that play was pretty embarrassing. It was fun to see, honestly, uh, because I've been hoping that the Bears showed up the uh like or showed up within that kind of thing that they uh or that they started to key off of their own tendencies but it's nice to see fields hit a deep strike downfield it's nice to see fields all over the highlight reel i mean that's three plays that are going to be massive highlights this week uh because i can't remember the fourth touchdown off the top of my head and you know what at some point jonathan I know that there are so many people, and I don't blame them, that want to see their franchise quarterback automatically look like Patrick Mahomes. Who doesn't, right? But I feel like you got to see the flashes before you start to see the entire picture really crystallize. Right now, you tell me what you think. I feel like Fields looks like a very, very talented, but also very young quarterback that's still putting things together. It feels like he's improving on little things every week. There was a point early in the season where we made jokes about how often he took sacks. Now he's taking sacks at a much more regular rate. And I'd even go so far as to say, because I don't have stats right in front of me, that he's converting quality scrambles off of probably what two to one ratio you get a quality scramble rather than a sack and so you'll take the good with the bad but it feels as if he's improving not all the way there and sure i'd love to see high talent too uh we probably need to talk about claypool a little bit but it does feel like fields is showing you all of the realistic things that you could expect and frankly more on top of that yeah um i was looking at this a little this past week actually. And he reminds me a lot of like rookie Lamar Jackson who had kind of the same thing. Like he made a ton of plays for Baltimore. He only started like the second half of their season or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was more as a runner than a passer. Like he did some stuff as a passer, but not great volume, only about like 20 passes a game, similar to fields, but just a ton of incredible run plays. And then, you know, had an off season to put in the work, Um, get comfortable in the offense and with his receivers in that offense a little bit more. And the next year was his MVP year. Not that I'm saying fields is winning MVP next year, but I think that's when you can hope to really see the leap as a passer. Uh, Once he gets, we've, we've seen him getting more comfortable in the offense, but hopefully with better talent, better pass protection and more familiarity in the offense next year is when we should start to see that volume as a passer. Certainly um, hope so. A little bit more. And I mean, I do think that there's something to be said, Jonathan, for chemistry, 
because as much as chemistry seems like it doesn't really matter when you've got somebody like Nick Foles who steps in and immediately just starts chucking darts behind the line of scrimmage. When you're passing deeper downfield, as we know Justin Fields likes to, you need to have your receiver understand where you like to put the football. And sure, I mean, Justin Fields had a relatively inaccurate day today. He missed Byron Pringle on that throw from the pocket. He, I thought, on the Chase Claypool back shoulder attempt that the ball wasn't anywhere near where it's supposed to be. And frankly, it was such a poor ball that Akuda couldn't make a play on it. And for that, we are just thankful. But all the same, we even or we also took some bad that with some serious good, incredible playmaking ability. More than one throw, Jonathan, where for the first time in what I think is the last three weeks, Fields didn't just tuck the ball when he started to step up in the pocket. I'm sure you saw even in just the second half and a little bit of that first half, enough opportunities where Fields stepped up, tucked the ball, reminded himself, oh shoot, yeah, I should be looking to pass, huh? Pull the ball back out and found somebody downfield. Like you're saying, it's I can't help but see exactly what you're saying, where I would compare him to a very good rookie, right? But the rookie that we're comparing to ended up being a stud in the NFL. So I feel like we're seeing the right indicators, you know, even if he's a little longer in the tooth from a development perspective. And if I can be honest, I know it sounds ridiculous, but the guy graduated from Ohio State. The idea that it would take a little bit longer for him to adjust to a development curve of understanding that not everything that you want within every play is going to be open just because your play caller called it. I actually think that that's something that big program guys like an Ohio Mm -hmm. state quarterback would have to take time to adjust to. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I always wonder about that for guys coming from those like blue blood programs, um, especially as like Ohio state is just when he was there was so head and shoulders above everybody else in the big 10 that it was pretty much just the, the college football playoffs every year when talent level was anything close to even. Otherwise, you know, his offensive line was vastly superior to the defensive line and his wide receivers were vastly superior to anybody they went up against. Um, and so having to go from that to the opposite end of the extreme for his first two years in Chicago, I'm sure was a bit of a shock jarring to say the least but at the very least it certainly seems like he's seeing it i know that there are a lot of people out there that might say it doesn't look like fields is reading the defense but i think it actually takes a lot more skill reading the defense to understand when you can and when you can't scramble multiple times in this game the lions actually did take the scramble away and that was when fields launched a ball downfield with at least two I think it could have been three, but my memory is a little fuzzy. Uh, Passes that were 10-plus yard passes. Sure, they weren't perfectly in his receiver's hands, but they were catchable. The receivers came down with them, and the Bears converted first downs off of them. Fields is seeing the field relatively well. It does, to me at least, Jonathan, feel like every time we hit these late-game scenarios, I am very very quickly reminded that the Bears' offensive line might be a bigger factor in why we're not getting more seven-step drop-back passes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially with no Tevin Jenkins today. Uh, I think with Jenkins in there, their guards are pretty solid with him in white hair, but tackles are both probably like borderline starters, high quality backups center same with Mustafer or Patrick, honestly. And so it's just an offensive line that can get by in pass blocking. At least uh, their run blocking has been, I think pretty good, but the pass blocking definitely, I think they're going to have two or three new starters there next year. I definitely agree. Now there's plenty more that we can talk about, but the sponsors are killing me and need to get their word in. So Jonathan, we're going to step aside for a little bit. We'll come back. We'll talk about a couple more overarching points and we'll finish out with final thoughts. Sound good. Sounds great. Thanks. Perfect. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm Robert Schmitz here with Jonathan Wood. And Jonathan, let's play a game that I thought of in the moment, right? Where I'm just going to ask you about a couple topics throughout this game. You tell me if you're worried right now. You tell me if you're worried about them in the future. And if you're not, or whether it is or isn't, what's the solution to fixing them? For instance, the Bears complete and total lack of pass rush from their front four are you worried about it now and are you worried about it in the future how do you think things change not really worried about it now just because it's going to be bad they're going to have three new starters on the defensive line next year if not four um the rest of this year is for finding out what you have with the guys who are there like can one of robinson or gibson be a starter or are they like your top two backups at defensive line you know, are you are you okay with uh, Jones continuing to start um, at three T, or do you want to upgrade him and have him be like your top interior backup? I think those are the types of questions to answer. But I think defensive line is probably going to get the most attention out of any group on the roster this off season. I can't help but agree. I mean, the Bears have $140 million and they got to spend it somewhere, right? And if Ryan Poles has shown us that he's not going to spend it on inside linebacker, how many positions can he really hand the money out to? Like, sure, I'm I'm sure that Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, dare I say even Chase Claypool may be very well eligible for extensions, but it doesn't change the now money. And defensive line seems like much too obvious a choice. Jonathan, did you know that the Bears might be the overall cheapest roster in the NFL right now? They are last in offensive spending and second to last in defensive spending. And I... I I personally think the Bears are getting what they pay for. If anything, they're getting more than they are paying for. And so I'm also not worried about the defensive line. It's embarrassing to watch, and I'm never going to change the fact. Or like I'm never going to stop saying that, sure, as a fan, watching Jared Goff and Tua Tagovailoa stand forever in the pocket before finding somebody – stakes but i do think that things change drastically next year and that's something i'm very excited about chase claypool one catch for eight yards if i'm seeing things correctly worried not worried not worried i think it's just really too early to say anything with him at this point again he's been here for 12 days they have a package of plays for him that so far seems pretty limited to like sweeps and screens or go routes basically he's replacing velas jones jr um, until he can learn the playbook better. Um, if he's still doing this a month from now, then yeah, I'll be a little worried because hopefully he's enough in the playbook by then that he can play mostly a full-time role. But for now, I'm not really expecting a lot from him. I agree, though I will be honest that I'm just, you know, you hope that you get a bigger splash. If you'd switched last week and this week, it makes more sense, right? But their willingness to get him so involved so quickly last week makes a week like this week a little strange, but hey, it happens. The old 22, I think, will tell a different story about Claypool. I don't even know how often he was back on the field, right? Uh, but it does feel as if this playbook for as remedial, dare I say, as their passing concepts look sometimes, Jonathan, everybody keeps talking about how this playbook's hard to learn. So I, I have no idea what the truth is, but I'm not worried just yet. Always a bummer to spend a second round pick on a guy that isn't an instant addition, but not a lot of guys are instant additions, right? It takes time for people to work their way into the offense. All right. So the we already talked about the defensive line. We already talked about the receivers. Jaquan Brisker got hurt. Kyler Gordon had another game where he did not seem especially fantastic, worried or not worried about the young defensive backs. Not worried, honestly. I mean, I kind of expected going into the year, both would have plenty of rookie struggles because the passing game gets a lot better from college to the NFL. And so I expected there to be a learning curve there. Uh, I'm hoping that they can both be quality starters in 2023. And if we're, you know, a month into that season and they're still looking somewhat like this, then I will be very worried. Yep. I, I can't help but think the same way. I mean, there's a lot of this defensive back stuff that I can't help but think, Jonathan, that as much as defensive back talent can be evaluated within like the scope of the defense right now, every single defensive back in history looks better when their front four is any better than the four or the front four that they've got right now. And so I am curious to see what happens when say somebody like Kyler Gordon isn't playing two jobs at once where he's not doing 
as much run support and can focus a little bit more on pass or like pass protection purely, but we'll have to get there when we get there. Call me a homer and an optimist, but Brisker in particular has shown some serious flashes. Gordon has some work to do, but that's not unusual, not only for nickel corners, but also for athletic projects like Kyler Gordon was. But I feel like you got to see them within a defense that's better than the defense that they have now because right now the front four talent is so bad that the fact that they get any run stops at all feels honestly surprising sometimes and then the final worried not worried that i have matt eberflus games there are like all these close games that they continue to lose we talked about it earlier are you worried are you not worried about the coach's ability to will his team to win at the end of games Ooh, that's a tough one um I'm going to say maybe a little bit of both here. If anything, I think they're overachieving right now based on how bad their roster should be on paper. Um, and so there's got to be some credit to coaching for that. Although basically Justin Fields is dragging the offense to score points and keep them in game. So a lot of credit goes to him, but I, I just hate seeing, except for the second half of Minnesota, he's just been too conservative. I feel like, and that's really frustrating to see just because I feel like, especially now, like you're three and seven, like, what do you have to lose? Go for it. Start to feel out some of these game situations and don't play it safe, play to win and see what, see what you can accomplish. Um, And I feel like he just defaults as a defensive coach to playing it safe, you know, try to, I want to trust my defense. Want to just like take the safe route instead of making maybe a little more risk to try to go out and, and ice the game. And I would like to see that change a bit, especially recognizing that your offense is appreciably better than your defense at this point. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not ever going to be the person because I have to deal with the mentions. If I do say this, that we need to worry about Matt Eberflus in a game where Jonathan, you and I, I, you can't, we can't talk out of two sides of our mouth, right? I can't be mad at Eberflus for being three and seven and feeling like he's overachieving when I was one of the people at the start of the season saying the Bears aren't going 10 and seven. They're closer to five and 12, if, if that high. And so the fact that they're losing a lot of these games, not surprising. The fact that it keeps coming down to the very end and yet they're not finding a way whether it is a loaf from Valus Jones not being able to catch the punt whether it's a loaf from Equinamius St. Brown not catching a ball that literally hits him in the hands on fourth down whether it's a loaf from honestly you could give the entire team a massive loaf that they had the ball like went three and out punted it away gave up the final score this all after a missed PAT and then couldn't figure it out on the final drive for one reason or another. This felt like a team almost determined to lose. Not great overall, but you take the good with the bad. Obviously fields playing well is enough to remediate a lot of frustration. And frankly, I would rather lose these games than games that the bears are just getting pummeled. And we have to think about potentially drafting another quarterback. So I don't know if I'm worried yet either but the defense definitely needs to come to play when they get a little bit more juice from a talent perspective it's not as if their scheme is anything sparkly uh compared especially compared to the fangio scheme which i did ultimately uh like like more from a schematic perspective but one of these days the wins need to come i i am the meathead Jonathan, that worries a little bit about losing culture. I look at a team like the Chargers, who I understand have every injury under the sun. I get it. But they were the latest team that we saw to have the perfect season where Justin Herbert looked great and the team looked terrible and they went three and 13 and they got a great pick. And since then they have yet to make the playoffs, Jonathan. I don't want to draw conclusions that are too strong because again, their injury luck has just been categorically awful but whether it is like throwing the ball more on these late game situations instead of turtling up and getting conservative Eberflus has been better than I expected a conservative 50 year old coach to be on fourth down so I hope that that sticks two point conversions have been nice to see I don't think he's holistically anti-analytics Jonathan and I do think that's a good thing but past a certain point can we win a one score game for crying out loud you know what I mean yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely frustrating to see some of those losses piling up. But I just honestly, I went into this year with such low expectations that I really just cared about seeing Fields be the guy. And he's been better than I could have 
dared to let myself hope for for the last month plus now. I think and, even funnier, just building off of that, Jonathan, is that Fields has been good in a way that still makes sense because it's not like the receivers have been surprisingly good, right? It's not like the offensive line has jumped out and shocked you with how well they pass protect. You know what I mean? It feels has had to literally set records with his legs because I am not seeing guys separate. It was nice to see fields throw a, a slant today, even if it was a little bit late. And I do worry that some, what seems like basic concepts passing wise just aren't in the offense. I mean, when the bears are getting cover one and cover three, they aren't running the out routes that we literally saw fields throw with Nagy last year. There's actually quite a few routes that it feels to me, Jonathan, like fields showed us he can throw them as a rookie. And then, He's not throwing them now. So is it an offensive line? Is it not? I don't really know. But I can't help but think that there's – I'm not that worried, worried about the staff. I don't ever expect the staff to, to be something that's incredibly impressive. But then again, Jonathan, if I can just call out another defensive head coach that has had a lot of success recently, not only has Sean McDermott like done great things in Buffalo, regardless of what's going on, even though, yes, they had a really nasty loss today. We're just not going to talk about that. But – Pete Carroll in Seattle is blowing things up in a good way. I mean, I will say that Pete, who has endured tons of nerd-based scrutiny uh, over the last three years and looked flat out washed, especially come the rust trade, has so overperformed recently that it does have me wondering whether sometimes we just need somebody to blame where the ball bounces poorly, the the calls don't go your way, everything stacks up against you, you lose by a point. Right. And you got to point the finger at somebody. So for now, I'm going to do my best to take a deep breath. <laughs> and I guess that ultimately constitutes my final thought. What about you? This game, the rest of the season, Jonathan Wood, what are your final thoughts on the Chicago Bears right now? Honestly, I just want to see Justin Fields continue to be that dude. If that happens, I really don't care about anything else. They'll get the rest sorted later. If they've got the quarterback to that level that he's shown in the last month, that that's not a fluke, but can continue. I am ecstatic regardless of whatever else happens in the next remaining seven games or whatever they have. I doubt you're alone in that. I mean, the bears are quickly becoming, whether it's Rich Eisen saying it, Colin Cowherd saying it, like pick your favorite national talking head. The bears are becoming must watch television. And I have never seen that before. Uh, Cutler days, Trubisky days. I mean, I cannot think, uh, Jonathan, the last time that I heard the Bears described as fun. And here we are. They are a lot of fun. Even if they somehow keep coming up empty, this is the same way people talked about Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert, not two years later, was considered more talented than Patrick Mahomes, who's just doing amazing things in Kansas City. I mean, Jonathan, the funny part is, if I guess I do have one more final thought. It's this, right? That Bears fans ought... I understand your reticence. I've been there and chances are I've not been alive as long as plenty of y'all have been Bears fans. I get it. It's been hard out there. Um, I've only been a Bears fan for 15 years and it's been hard enough watching this team flail, flounder and find unique ways to screw things up. Right, Jonathan, whether it's this like this draft pick or that head coach choice or this GM move or why did we do that? The Greg Olson trade like there are all sorts of marks throughout this franchise that have made people mad forever while they have watched other people succeed. But Jonathan, I have seen this movie so many times. I can't not mention it when a young quarterback gets this much attention it's the inverse of when a young quarterback gets as much negative attention as mitch trubisky did it is hard for me to look at justin fields right now as anything other than exactly what you would want to see out of a young quarterback especially when all the guys that we pointed to last year whether it's trevor lawrence whether it's mac jones what it's we, we really didn't point at zach wilson and trey lance much the same way but so let's just focus on those two they're struggling a ton here in their second year, while Fields is just finding a way within the structure of the game of football to succeed and score points. And Jonathan, 
you you're a big yards per attempt guy big epa per play guy like a, a very big numbers guy i think you'd agree that at the end of the day the only reason we talk about yards per attempt yards per game like passing success rate all those metrics is to get points on the board and the fact that fields is consistently leading the bears two points on the board is about as positive a thing you could possibly see right like i think the bears fans ought to be allowed to believe in this right now because oh. there are so many signs pointing in the right direction absolutely i mean through their first six games i think it was they were averaging like 15 16 points a game they've put up 34 weeks in a row since their mini buy like and that's all fields like and we've even seen that with his wide receivers letting him down and his offensive line letting him down. They're still putting up 30 points a game. Like that is ridiculous. And that is because their quarterback has just been that good. And it's the bizarre. arrow is pointing just straight up. And I cannot wait to see where it goes from here. Neither can I. You tell me, Jonathan, as I let you go, what can people look for throughout the rest of the week, throughout the rest of the season? Where can we find you? What you got? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I'm a college professor and I teach an overload every fall, so I don't do a whole lot during the season. I know you've been trying to get me on all year. Hey, I'll take um, it. So uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jonathan underscore Wood. Um, I write stuff for DeBear's blog, but mostly in the off season because I have a lighter load at work in the spring. So I will be, I'm already dreaming up things that I want to research and write about, uh, next spring. And I'm looking forward to having the chance to do that. I can't wait. I mean, the stuff you come up with, if nothing else, always challenges our way of thinking. And I mean, for crying out loud, to use an example, you were one of the people waving the caution flag about Cole Komet's usage. And through the first couple of weeks of the season, that certainly seemed to be true, regardless of him catching fire or not. The irony, Jonathan, about that, by the way, is that nothing that I think has happened in the last three weeks has proved any of that wrong. The whole comparison coming out was Kyle Rudolph and the Kyle Rudolph we saw in the Giants like uniform was a nice reminder that a lot of these tight ends are about as good as their quarterback makes them. You know what I mean? And so, hey, maybe there's some truth to the idea of if a tight end is as good as a quarterback makes him, then Cole Komet becoming a touchdown machine kind of says something about fields, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's I mean, that's what you want to see from a quarterback is that they elevate the players around them and make them better. And that's exactly what you're seeing from fields right now. I mean, he's, if you look at like remove the quarterback from the offense, the bears have the worst offense in the NFL in a season where scoring is down tremendously. They're scoring 30 points a game over a solid month. Like mm -hmm. that is fields. That is all fields. And that is just feels unbelievable to say. And my whole life has been, yeah, but the quarterback, do they have the quarterback to be able to compete with these top teams? And now they have the quarterback. They just need the rest of the roster. Can't help but agree. Perfect. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Bear With Me. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. As always, you can find more work on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel as Jeff Burkus and Lester Wilfong will be right with you tomorrow on Bear and Balanced, plus a litany of other great shows. Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on, and we'll catch you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.